It's 5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on the Punch Out 12, 18, 20, 20. Very happy to be with you as we always are Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Punch Out brought to you by Breakthrough News. I'm your host, Eugene Perrier, as always. Plenty as always for you. We've got the Kidnap Boys. Bring back our boys. Uh, hashtag Bring Back Our Boys. I have to say in Nigeria, those Kidnap Boys have been returned. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about just the completely lawless nature of the bosses in the fields and the struggle of farm workers and some very important new data on those issues. But before we get to either of those, we want to start with just the unbelievable unbelievable lack of substantive action that lies within this so-called stimulus package in front of Congress. <laughs> Right now, in the midst of a terrible pandemic, where the economy is in disastrous shape, all that we are talking about now is $900 billion. That is an inadequate sum of money to do what has to be done. And that was Bernie Sanders expressing what you think would be just an obvious conventional wisdom kind of point right now about the gap between the discussion in Congress and the social crisis being faced by working class people in this country. Now, I've certainly had my disagreements with Sanders for sure, uh, you know, especially his optimistic presentation of what Biden's center right rule holds in front of us here. But I have to say, he seems to be one of the sole voices, maybe the only real voice of reason in the Senate on this issue here. I mean, it's, it's honestly just strange. Striking to me how alone Sanders seems to be, you know, outside of basically the hard right Senator Josh Hawley over the issue of the $1,200 checks being essentially just a, a bare minimum for Congress. I mean, it's, it's sort of like he's out there in the wilderness, even though these things seem to be obvious to me, the Sanders that is, uh, you know, with over 800,000 filing for unemployment this week, uh, just another recognition of the epic social crisis that's facing this country. And you've got Congress basically guaranteed, in the light of that, to pass a bill that doesn't even come close to meeting the scale of the crisis. Doesn't even come close. I mean, it looks like only two senators are even waging a token resistance to this, despite just the clear inadequacy of it. Now, a new data from a mass survey from the two weeks leading up to December 7th, heavily underscore the challenges that people are facing here. 85.4 million adults, that's 36% of all adults, reported that it was somewhat difficult or very difficult to pay for usual household expenses. That's a 2.9 million person increase since the last data release. 36% of all U.S. adults finding it difficult to pay for usual expenses. 27.4 million adults, that's 13%, reported that they sometimes or often didn't have enough to eat in the last seven days. That's 5 million more than in late August. So 13%, not enough to eat. 14.3 million renters, 20% report not being caught up on rent. That's up 12 million from, uh, or excuse me, that's up, yeah, 12 million, 17% from mid-November. Nearly 4 in 10 children in rental housing live in a household that isn't getting enough to eat or isn't caught up on rent. I mean, 
Jesus, 36% of people finding it difficult to make the usual expenses. 13% didn't have enough to eat in the last week before they answered that. 20% not caught up on rent. 40% of children not enough to eat in their house or they're not caught up on rent facing eviction. The bill doesn't even come close to dealing with any of this. You know, as all sorts of rent protections are going to expire come January 1st, tens of millions are facing eviction. The so-called stimulus package includes $25 billion to help struggling renters. The total amount of rent paid in the U.S. per year is just over $500 billion. So the amount in this bill is actually less by tens of billions of dollars than the amount of rent paid in this country in one month. And that this since it's supposed to be a, this bill is supposed to be a stopgap here. So you think it one month there, but this bill is basically supposed to last for, you know, one month, two months, three months, however long it takes after Biden gets in and Congress can pass another stimulus. So less than one month worth of the cost of all rent in America is the so-called rent relief bill that could have to last for two to three months. There you go. Um, the $600 direct payments on top of that. I mean, that's not even enough money for one month's rent for a massive number of people around the country. The $300 continued boost in unemployment certainly will keep some people's heads above water. Don't want to look down my nose at that. But since it's below the $600 from earlier in the year, that was recognized as making sure people got 100% of their paychecks being met. It means that more unemployed people will struggle to make ends meet. There's $45 billion for airlines and transit systems that you know hopefully can stem the absolute worst of job losses there. $300 billion to small businesses to basically stay off just a total collapse of employment. You know, again, 800,000 people filing for unemployment. Um, so, you know, basically just trying to stave off a total collapse as the virus continues to surge around the country, slowing the economy. Uh, you know, that, and that's all it is, staving off the absolute, absolute worst of total collapse. It's, it's really an outright admission, the passing of this bill, that both parties are willing to allow tens of millions of people to sink deeper into economic hardship and poverty without even doing the bare minimum. Capitalist democracy for you. <laughs> Now, what we just discussed should make clear here that talk of a return to normal is just certainly an illusion. You got to laugh to keep from crying. I mean, it's, it's so absurd in many ways. But nevertheless, the excitement around the vaccines has a idea of returning to normal very much in the air and in the news. And, and look, I get it. The pandemic, it's been such an upheaval. You can crave normal, even though the status quo was so untenable before. But really, what are we seeing here? What we are seeing here, I should say, is, is really just revealing the deepening of this existing inadequacy. Uh, there's a lot of COVID-induced problems, but I don't know if they're COVID-caused, if you will. Um, nevertheless, there's one way that I think you can look at this very relevantly, and that's through the struggle of farm workers. As we enter the holiday period with a lot of uh, having been said, really, about the tough conditions for workers all along the food chain, and rightfully so, people are giving more thanks to the food on their holiday plates than the people who made sure that it got there, and again, rightfully so. But as newly released data reflects, the return to normal for farm workers is a return to a totally lawless state of affairs in the field, with wage and hour violations like wage theft being particularly rampant. For instance, over 70% of investigations, over 70% by the Department of Labor's Wage and Hour Division into Agricultural Work finds violations. 70%. And the reasons are fairly clear. Only 40% of the workforce has any sort of legal or has real legal status of any sort. And there is only one investigator for every 175,000 workers in the country. In other words, a workforce with clear and valid concerns about retaliation for speaking out and an enforcement system that is designed to fail. Only 1.1% of farm employers are investigated in any given year. 
In 2019, investigations assessed that agricultural employers owed $6 million in back pay. Now, obviously, if that represents investigations into only 1% of farmers and 70% of investigations are finding violations, we're almost certainly talking about many hundreds of millions of dollars being stolen from farm workers every year in an already extremely low pay industry. And sadly, that shouldn't be a surprise because wage theft is huge in this country. There's actually more wage theft each year in the United States than all other forms of theft combined. So when you put in a good word for farm workers over your holiday meal this year, which you should, don't forget to remind everyone we have to support their struggles for dignity on the job at work, too. We started off the week take talking about the 334 schoolboys abducted in Nigeria. Hashtag bring back our boys was roiling the country, roiling the world, really, this issue. And we end the week with the news that they have returned. As Al Jazeera reported, the boys looked wearied and traumatized, but seemingly without major injury as they disembarked from buses in the capital of Katsina State in the northern part of the country. And, and certainly this seems like... Certainly not the worst of outcomes, the release of these 334 boys. Their releases shrouded in some mystery. However, the government claims they conducted a prisoner exchange with Boko Haram to ensure the boys' release. Locals, however, are expressing some doubt about that. While someone claiming to represent Boko Haram did take credit, the original fear was that it was a broader criminal gang. And so there's now some questioning, well, was it really Boko Haram? How did they get them back? What exactly happened? Uh, there's all sorts of different ideas and, and things that you know just could be out there could be political opponents of the existing government or Boko Haram's rivals trying to plant a false flag to besmirch their opponents' reputations or any number of other things. Could be Boko Haram, could have been a different way they got them back. Who knows? Either way, the boys were returned. So we'll see if we ever get some real answers as to how it actually took place. But really, ultimately, the entire event underscores the totally failed development model of the Nigerian elites in league with massive multinational corporations. This was something further underscored by the end of Further underscored, I should say, by the NSARS protests earlier this year that shook Nigeria and shook the world. The Nigerian ruling classes are pursuing economic and social strategies that promote destitution, despair, and chaos. And all they do is respond to it with military and police solutions or so-called solutions. I should say they're not really solutions, but they only deepen the spiral of conflict. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, 